Blog Talk Radio. Play Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah. Knockout artist uh, Every fight that he's fought 
has been a knockout. He's the only one in the boxing network that has a hundred percent knockout rate. Um, interesting styles of fighting. Uh, the way that this fight was going to go down, um, Mike, I, I want to hear what you think or your thoughts on the fight between Arthur Betterbeef and Joe Smith Jr. I think Andre Ward said it best. That could not have been the game plan last night. Like, he felt that power, and then he, it's almost like he, I don't know if it just, like, caused him to just try to rely on instincts or whatever, but he tried to stand and bang with him after that, and, like, that was a losing effort. Like, he got dropped towards the end of the first round, uh, you know, two solid knockdowns in the second, and on the third time he was just kind of out on his feet, and the referee finally had to step in to stop it. But this was a, you know, listen, Joe Smith uh, fighting close to home, you know, twenty eight and three, so it ain't like uh you know, it ain't like better be was fighting a scrub, uh, going out there, but I mean, I'll be honest with you, he kinda made it look like it. It was a, I felt like it was a one sided fight and it was just too much power. Uh, because and this isn't just power, like he was clean with his technique, you know, he knew when to land, his timing was good. it was just uh a little too much. I, I, I got another thought that we talked about uh, that we talked about with uh, one of our brothers in the shop yesterday. But I, I, I'm gonna I'm wait on that until you comment on the fight, and then I, I got another comment about uh, about uh, better be at light heavyweight. So the interesting thing about the fight uh, with better be and uh, Joe Smith is Joe Smith, uh, regardless of how the power went. I think Joe Smith has power, too. Uh, it's just that he just wasn't connecting because they both were wailing for that shot. They, there was no – I agree with everybody in the crowd. Nobody was going to make it to the 12th round. I don't think that that fight would have been one of those oh, eight rounds. Somebody's over there bleeding in there, you know, trying to calm down the swelling of an eye, things of that nature. I didn't think that. The way that these guys were throwing blows, somebody's chin was going to get caught and somebody's going to get laid out. And – um Unfortunately, it wasn't really like he – Better Beef didn't even land the shot directly on his chin. A lot of his shots, he was he was connecting, hitting head shots, but it was like he was hitting him in the temple or, like, straight on in the face, like, things like that. He wasn't hitting him on the chin where, you know, a lot of those knockout blows may happen, but it was doing just enough to get him to at least touch the canvas. One of them, he didn't even, like, fall. It was like the way he fell to the ropes. The refs, uh, like, got in front of Better Beef to let Joe – get a standing eight and did it that way. Uh, I think it's a total of four knockdowns happened in this fight. Um, in the last one, there was just an interesting barrage of punches and where he didn't fall, but he spun around so bad that he was out on his feet really bad. Right. Like, um, if the ref would have let that continue, it, it could have got messy. And then people would have been like, well, why didn't he stop the fight? He shouldn't have let it go on that far. So, and Joe knew it. It wasn't like Joe was mad about it. I'm just saying, you know, how championship fights go. A lot of people want to, you know, guard on their on their own merit. So I understand how this may play a part on, like, the ref should have let him go, so on and so forth. But an interesting fight. Arthur said at the end of the fight, he said it was easier for him to get to Joe because Joe was open to his, his defense. Like, he didn't really protect, you know, the open spots or areas that Arthur – could get to, and uh, he took advantage of the situation, and he's one of those likable personalities. Better be, I've been watching him for a while. He's 
to me, he's similar to me. He's like Triple G, one of those knockout artists that you you just hope he doesn't punish you. But then at the end of the fight, it's like he's he's a crowd pleaser. He he know how to talk and he's not rash and he called out the right people. He wants to fight Boval to you you know unify the the entire like heavyweight division and that would be a great fight, especially after the way the Boval just dismantled Canelo. Even though Canelo's not a natural light heavyweight, but still yet the aura is there to help build that boxing up, especially in that light heavyweight class. Because I think a lot of the attention are around like the welterweight and the middleweight divisions. But now that light heavyweight is stepping up, this is another division that helps boxing altogether. But uh, your your thoughts on the potential of Bavall and Better Be fighting? So I I'm excited to see that fight. I thought. Uh... I thought Baval, Bivol, whatever you want to call him, I thought he, uh, you know, I thought he kind of imposed his will on Canelo in that size. What I will say is Canelo picked the right guy. We talked about this last night in the barbershop on Clubhouse. Cheap plug, uh, come check us out sometime in the barbershop. But uh, we talked about this last night. Canelo picked, even though he was kind of uh, outboxed in that fight uh, and his size kind of – you know, lended towards him him going down in that fight. Like, he picked the right one because, listen, man, if he had picked Benavia, uh instead of Baval to, to fight, uh, that could have been, that, that could have really ended his career. Like, he might have gotten knocked out. And then we might have seen him, you know, that button activated too often in the future for uh, Canelo. So at least he picked the right one. Uh, listen, after watching... Artur Benavia last night, that power is just something serious. Um, I would give him, I, I would probably give him the slight edge over Raval, but I, I mean, I don't know. That's that's just based on what I what I just saw last night. Uh, but I think it would be a a very entertaining fight, and it would be a chance to uh, once again, you know, we you and I have talked about this over the last few weeks when we've talked about boxing. Um, and that this would be a chance for somebody to unify them all and be the undisputed champion at that weight class. So uh, he mentioned that he wants that fight. Um, I would love to see it. I hope we do get to see it sooner rather than later. It'd be interesting to see that fight go down. Um, hopefully, because we're in the month of June, I think it probably would take place around, if not September, October, definitely into the November, December season. Uh, but depending on yeah. how their fights are laid out. So um, I, I don't know if Baval has something set up yet because I, I think there's, you know, time that they need to heal and then go through their camps and so on and so forth because they don't want to jump right into these fights and not be fully healthy for a, a combat war like these two are about to put up. Even though I feel like Better Bees is, is the better fighter, Baval has the length because he's taller. So this this make you know styles make fights. So you can't walk into a bomb. And this is something that Joe Smith actually had to learn. He's walking into a bomb, and, and he wanted to wail after a while. So it's like if you're going to go in there trying to wail at a guy, like you're, you're going to end up getting caught too because he's just as powerful as you are. Uh, especially when you increase the weight, when you get after like I want to say middleweight, middleweight up. Like one punch could damage somebody, so you gotta watch it. Welterweight too. There's some welterweights that could knock you out to a finisher, but a lot of them, you know, tactically break you down and um get you out of there. Um, I do want to see where this this goes, especially for Canelo, because Canelo's trying to now 
set up the trilogy with him and Triple G. He waited this long for it to happen, um, for him to lose a fight, and now, you know, try to come after Triple G. That's an interesting one. It's kind of like trying to survive the storm. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say it like this. I hope Triple G wins that fight. <laughs> you you dodged him hey. and waited until he turned 40 years old to try to fight him now. It's like, no, I, you, that's like a sucker fight to me. So hopefully Triple G take care of business, and um, that's something that he can retire on unless he wants to continue fighting. Not, not to say like I'm trying to walk him out of boxing, but he is 40 going on 41. So that's something that he has he to watch won. out for. But he's, he's, I know, but, you know, the, the – I guess the cash cow of having him out there. He should have won the first one. Right. But that draw draw was... Go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, no, I got you. I I was just going to say he should have won the first one, and it'll be interesting to see how Canelo bounces back because he's only taken one loss in his career. So how he comes back in that fight, you better come back ready to go because... uh, the one thing we could say about Golovkin uh, is he can punch, right? So uh, y- y- he better be ready. Right. So so hopefully we see how this does go down. Um, I think it's September that they're scheduling the fight for. That's a lot of the situation where Canelo does like trying to fight in that month of September right there. So we will see how that does go down. Um, especially for these two being uh, better be even in Bavar. Hopefully it's around these fall months, so we can have some fall classes going down, and especially with the aura of the potential of Spence Jr. and Crawford. Even though I don't want to see these two fight, because I love the two of them, <laughs> I get it that they have to fight. So uh, that potential uh, is at the end of the year as well. I think uh, Crawford has a fight before it does happen. But... um We'll see. Boxing got its its lift. So, is there anything else you'd like to add toward the boxing situation before I move away from it? Um, no, I don't think so. But I I'm not, and I'm I'm curious to see because I was thinking that Bud was off of his deal, and I thought I read something a couple of weeks ago that said Bud said he's not fighting until spent. So we'll see, uh, what happens with that uh, to see, but. Uh, I I definitely agree with you. I think boxing has got a lift, and I think it's very good for, you know, like I said, we've talked about some of these weight classes being unified or these titles being unified and being undisputed, and I think that's really, really good for this sport. Like, if you look at it, you've got all these different organizations and all these titles. When you can combine them and you can actually look at it and go, oh, this is the man at this weight, like, I think that's very good for the sport and for the average fan. Okay. So we will move away from that, best possible. Um, the next one I do have is the Stanley Cup final. The visiting Tampa Bay Lightning won the Eastern Conference over my boys. You guys know it burns me to watch the New York Rangers not be here, but the, the Lightning got us. They entered the state of Colorado to play the Snow Boys, a.k.a. the Avalanche, and I don't want to jinx them. Please, Palmer, don't come and get me. I really feel like Colorado is going to win the Stanley Cup. They are too powerful. They are too fast at that. They're strong and they're fast, and they know how to shoot and score. And um, the way that they attack uh, the goalie, uh, Tampa Bay, and 
you know, his his stick side, which would be his right arm, that's the side to attack because he's letting a lot of shots in. Colorado was uh, attacking that for the first three or four goals. And then once he tried to figure out how to, like, try to slide more right, he was leaving the left side of that goal wide open. They just started shooting to the left side. And just it, 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 it was bad last night for them to lose 7 nothing. That's that's a football score to me uh, in a shutout, no less, in a Stanley Cup final. I have to give Colorado their credit, but I think Tampa Bay can try to bounce back at home. But I think Colorado is a team that could go in there and not only steal it, they could beat them, not, not just like, oh, steal a game. No, I think they could beat them. They may have the potential to win the Stanley Cup, on Tampa Bay's ice, and that'll be disheartening. I don't want to say disrespect. Well, if you want to take it as disrespect, it could, but it'd be disheartening to not have any, you know, shot at home either. Um, you up on this situation because uh, Colorado's been strong all season long, and they probably look like the out front winner. Um, even if the Rangers would have played them, they, they swept the Rangers this year too. The Rangers didn't have a shot either, I don't think. So it would have been fun to see the Rangers get to the Stanley Cup and try to contest, but the first game, they the Tampa Bay Lightning forced it overtime, and now they get in the game too. And it was like clearly they were outmatched. Tampa couldn't get anything offensively started, let alone defensively. They were just letting these guys get into the crease and, and score as much as they could. Uh, your, your thoughts on this matchup in the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, it was bad. And, and yeah, I, I think it would be disrespect, disheartening, disrespectful, downright rude. But I think they have the chance to go into Tampa and kick in the door and take the big piece of chicken. Like, listen, they uh, Colorado has, listen, when they get going, it is like an avalanche, pun intended. Uh for this team, they did this to Nashville. I still kind of follow the Predators because, you know, I lived in the Nashville area for a long time. So I still kind of follow the Predators. And this beating last night that Tampa took was as bad as any beating that Nashville took in that series. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it was as, it was as if it was as bad as the first round for uh, – so, so Colorado is, is – it's interesting to see because – they really haven't been in this discussion for a minute, but uh, they have got a uh, a very, very good hockey team. And I'll go as far as to say I would be surprised if Tampa really gets back and makes this a very competitive series. But we'll see because, you know, sometimes things change when you get to home ice. So, I mean, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but Colorado just appears way too strong for to me, the average layman fan when it comes to hockey. I don't claim to be an expert. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's okay. Um, like I said, if Vasilevsky could figure out a way to slow these guys down and be another thing, but uh, I I think, and this is the bad part about what Colorado's doing. They're scoring good against Tampa. Tampa did their thing to win the East. The defense is scoring as well. So, like, when that transition happens, when, like, the defensemen get up the ice and they're, they're pressing the issue on the defense for Tampa and they're scoring with success, I, I don't know how you stop it. If the wings in the center are the only ones scoring, the two backmen of the defense, if they carry the puck up and they're scoring in front of Tampa, I, this is bad news. Like, I don't, I don't care how loud that crowd could get in Florida. These guys on the ice have to play. So, 
Tampa, I, <laughs> it happened in the last series. You guys were down 0-2 to the Rangers and stormed back and won four straight. You guys have to find that same type of magic or let one slip and win as many as possible to get the Stanley Cup back. But right now, I don't know if you guys can repeat. I think Colorado is destined to bring that thing back to the, the mile-high state, if you will. And at least that's me. I don't. I don't want you to... Karma, leave me alone. I wanted to be fair. I'm just saying the way that these guys are playing, this this is over exceptional. I don't even know what to call it. So this is great job. This is a great job by the Avalanche. Okay. So there there were a few topics that I know Mike wanted to stress. Uh, Mike, I'll let you throw a couple of them out there as we get into the thick of things in the show. Okay, cool. So I'll, I'll hit uh, a two real quick. I, I want to hit the UFC stuff from last weekend with you, but uh, I'm going to hit the, those other two topics first, if that's cool with you. So the first one is the College World Series just started up in Omaha. They've played the first two days of that. So on one side of the bracket, Notre Dame, who upset the number one ranked team in the country last weekend, uh, Tennessee. Notre Dame beats Texas, and then Texas A&M beats Oklahoma. So today... Notre Dame and Oklahoma will match up to see who gets to be in the driver's seat in that bracket. The loser of that game will play the winner of Texas-Texas A&M for a chance to get back and try to beat the winner twice. On the other side of the bracket, yesterday we had Arkansas defeating Stanford 17-2 in one of the most lopsided first-round games we've ever seen in the College World Series. And Stanford was the number two overall seed. And then we had Ole Miss beating Auburn last night. So once again on that side, you will have Arkansas facing Ole Miss for the chance to be in the driver's seat of that game. And then on the other side, of, uh, also in that bracket now, Stanford will also will play Auburn, and the winner will have to try to get back and uh, – and beat the winner of that other game twice. So that's where we stand in Omaha. They cut one day out of it, so uh, they started on Saturday, and then I think the uh, the championship series starts on Saturday next weekend. So it's two brackets of four, double elimination. The winner of each bracket play the best two out of three. So that's what we have in Omaha, Nebraska, about 100 miles west of my current location. Uh, and listen, if you like baseball at all and you ever get a chance to, I think that should be a bucket list trip for everybody to take one year. They they do it right in Omaha. It's a pretty special environment. There was talks a couple times about possibly relocating that or trying to move that around, but it, it's not going to happen. Uh, that, that's just one of those events that you know if you play that sport that Omaha is the goal at the end of the year. And then the other thing that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, it happened as we were uh, coming on the air, and uh, I honestly didn't, uh, you know, I, I slacked on my prep work that day. But listen, what Rafael Nadal has has been able to do in his tennis career uh, is remarkable, especially considering some of the, the different injuries and things that he's had to go through. This man has 22 Grand Slam titles, which is the most ever in the open air era. He's got 14 of them at the French Open. Uh, this man came out in 2005 uh, as a young 19-year-old kid and won it. And he won the next – he won four in a row, 
dropped one year in the semifinals and then won the next five. So he won like nine out of ten. Then he came back after a couple of year hiatus due to some injuries and won four more, one more year off and won his 14th. Um, but he's got four at the U.S. Open. He's got a couple at Wimbledon. He's got a couple in uh, in Australia. Uh, so uh, Nadal has has won on all surfaces. He's one of the first guys, I think, to win all Grand Slams more than once as well. Uh, Olympic gold, him and Federer and Djokovic have all kind of been right there, right around that 20 title range. And Nadal probably was the one that was least likely to to break that record, man. But uh, he jumps over 20. Now he's got 22. Um, it, just remarkable, man. Like uh, He had 81 straight wins on clay at one point, which is the most in the open air. And like I said, still eight more titles on other surfaces. So um, incredible career for that guy. And, I mean, he says he's going to play Wimbledon. We'll see how his foot holds up. But, I mean, if the guy never plays again, he'll still go down as one of the greatest ever. So I just wanted to give some props to Rafael Nadal, the Spaniard, because what he has done, I mean, they might as well name the French Open after him, at least on the men's side. Yeah, because he's good on clay, but uh, he's fair game on, like, uh, you know, the hard court or grass. But um, for him to do as much damage as he can in his career, you got to respect what he's been able to do up until this point. I think Jokovic can catch up um, as much as I, I love Federer. Federer is older, so I don't know how much more damage he can do. Uh, if, if in any, he's going to get out there as much as possible. So for Nadal to, you know, attain that many grand slams, that's a ton. So definitely have to give him credit for what he's been able to do out there on the court. Yeah, I remember. So the, you know, the narrative was, can he win any on anything else? And then he got, Federer in 2008 on grass in Wimbledon, and that was a, a match that went for, I think it was like a five-plus-hour match, and he was able to pull that out. He won uh, he won Olympic gold that same year, too, like he was just on a run. Um, so for the U.S. Open, so definitely, you know, two-thirds, almost two-thirds of his champions, of his majors on clay, but, yeah, props. And, uh, and that, that's all I got on him. Okay. Well, Rafael, you got a shout-out today. It's for City, that is for sure. Um, we'll see what he's able to do as Wimbledon is set to take place coming week. Uh, I think on the 27th it starts. It goes from the 27th of June to the 10th of July. So let's stay tuned for the Wimbledon. That'll be coming up. I, I think he may be one of the potential leaders. I know Jokovic is around. So it's at least between those two, uh, unless somebody stops both of them or one of them, it, it's between them uh, for me and the Wimbledon for the men's side. Uh, Serena is set to come back for the women's side. Um, I, I want to see her be able to be do damage. She's now approaching 41 herself, so there's something that she has to watch also, but she's still a threat with the power that she possesses, but she's been off the court for some time now. So uh, we'll wait and see what she has. Uh, Coco Goff had made an interesting run uh, in the past uh tournament that she was in, but she lost late, and uh, Naomi Osaka stepped out of the last uh, tournament that she was in also, too, so there's a lot of interesting names with interesting stories uh, moving forward uh, in the tennis network as well. 
Okay, the next topic that you'd like to touch on, Mike. Now, real quick, we had some good, uh, we had some very good UFC fights last weekend. Um, so before I hit on the the championship fights, uh, shout out to Joanna Strajetic, who had a very good career. Um, she dropped her fight to uh, Jessica. Uh, she lost last weekend in a very very close fight. It was like the second or third fight between those two women. Uh, but she hung it up after that fight. But she's had a long career. And if you've never seen any of Joanna Strajetic's fights, uh, go check her out. She had a she had a fantastic career and was a lot of fun to uh, to watch. She always brought action in the ring. And then Glover Teixeira, man, um, listen, he was one of the, the the second oldest UFC champion ever, uh, second to Randy Couture, won that light heavyweight title from Jan Blachowicz after um, Israel Adesanya went up and tried to uh, take that belt from him. Blachowicz beat him, but then he lost to Teixeira, and Teixeira was winning. Uh, this fight, like, if you didn't see that fight last weekend between Jared Prochaska and uh, and Glover Teixeira, it's worth the it's worth watching, man. It was uh, five rounds, and those guys traded shots, takedowns. I mean, listen, they uh, there was not a lot of feeling out in that fight. Those guys went after each other. I mean, it was a scrap for real. And Teixeira was ahead on all scorecards, but he got caught with about 35 seconds to go and kind of an unorthodox rear naked choke and got choked out in the last 30 seconds of a fight that he was ahead on the scorecard. Uh, this is a guy that, Teixeira, who had lost some fights to some big names early on and was able to rally back and, and grab that championship. I feel like nobody is talking about a rematch for him because he's 41, and I feel like that's sad because he was ahead on the fight cards. And if he... Was 34, 35, or 31, they would for sure be, be screaming for a rematch. And so I feel like that's not necessarily uh, fair, per se, for them to try to get him to move on and, and get out of that title hunt. But it was a very, very entertaining fight at light heavyweight at 205 pounds uh, last weekend. Teixeira was about 35 seconds away from a very uh, grueling title defense. And, uh, hey, listen, you wrap around somebody's neck, though, and, and lock in a choke. Uh, you can have all the will in the world, man, but will don't help you breathe. And uh, that's what happened. And so he dropped it. We got a new champ at 205 pounds uh, in the light heavyweight division in UFC. And then Valentina Shachinko, uh defended her uh, title in a very uh, – in, in a highly contested fight, a little bit closer than uh, – than a lot of people were expecting uh, last weekend as well. So those were uh, the highlights of last weekend's UFC card. Well, look, looking at the situation for Glover, especially when he uh, beat Jan, um, Jan Blakovich, um now Jan, watching that fight, he was actually calling out Yeri as much as possible. Uh, the crazy part about Yeri and winning that fight, Yeri was saying that, he would make it a messy fight for uh, Glover, and Glover actually was taking care of business in the fight and ended up losing that by submission. And it's tough that he couldn't hold on, but it's like, just like you said, if, if somebody has that submission hold on you, 
it, it's kind of tough to get out of it because you're trying to fight to breathe, let alone trying to fight this guy putting on a tighter grip to make sure that you do submit. So I give Glover a ton of credit because he, he did beat Jan before this fight. And Jan Blokovic actually was the man in the UFC for a while, especially after beating Israel Adesanya uh, in the matchup that they had. So that that was one thing for him to get that done and then end up fighting somebody in his weight class. Glover made a name for himself after, you know, losing several different situations before getting that title fight up against Jan and then loses this up against Yuri. And now Yuri is sitting at the top. He said the potential of a rematch is there. He might go after uh, Jan as well. Uh, there's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, situations that Yuri has right now. But now he's going from the hunter to the hunted. There's going to be a lot of interesting names for him. And he calls himself the, you know, the, the ninja or the samurai. So um, if he could perfect the situation, this will be better. But um, I, I think the way Glover actually made it interesting because Glover is just as tall as him. He really couldn't get the shots that he wanted. He he needed that submission to win the fight. He even said it in his presser at the end of the fight that he said he didn't do good. He, he know he had to get better. So at least he, he wasn't even cocky at the end of it. He knows that it, you know, it's going to take more as a lot of these people are going to throw their A game at him to try and knock him off his situation and get the belt from him. So this is very entertaining to see how this may potentially go down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's definitely no shortage of contenders at that light heavyweight division. It'll be curious to see, you know, who's next for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I was, uh, I was really impressed. Like I said, with Teixeira's performance up until the very end of that, like I feel like he took everything that was thrown at him and, and gave back more, you know what I'm saying? Like, against a much younger fighter. And so, you know, definitely nothing to hang his head about at all. It's just a, uh, hey, man, he just got caught. <laughs> it happens to everybody. Uh, it just happened to him in a very uh, unfortunate situation. I mean, at the wrong time. Okay. Um I know that I did have baseball, but before baseball, do you have any other topic that you like to address before I jump in there? No, I'm good. Okay, so we do have the baseball situation going down, and let me tell you, if nobody could stop the city of New York, and I'm talking about both sides, from the Bronx to the Queens, these guys are playing baseball. Two of the only teams that do have 40 wins uh, at this point in time right now the Yankees are cruising out of their last 17. They've won 16 games. Uh, the Braves are on a run like that, too, but they just lost an interesting game to the Cubs also, uh, trying to get back on their situation, too. But baseball has actually been pretty amazing across the board, including uh, some of the more interesting runs that we do have going on uh, within the sport. Um, like I said, the Yankees are running. The Mets are playing good. The Braves are another team. The power rankings, these teams are going up and down as much as possible. The uh, the Dodgers are putting together an interesting run. The, the Guardians actually had a run as well, uh, uh, tightening up the race a little bit in the AL Central as well. Um, we also have news there too. Uh, Rendon is actually getting wrist surgery. Uh, it, it will be now ended uh, with this uh, surgery happening in, in Anaheim. 
And this is the bad thing about the Angels. It's like every year something happens with an injury that hurts them. The past two seasons, I think it's been Trout. Uh, last season also it was Trout and Otani. But right now with Rendon going down, this is actually a pretty questionable or troublesome situation for the Angels once again if they could stay out of uh, heart where the injury bugs way. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on summer baseball as I get ready to go into the standings also? Yeah, I hate to see this with Rendon, man. Unfortunately, it's Rendon has missed going back to his college days a lot more time than he's actually been on the field, even at Rice. Um, but I hate to see it with a guy because he is supremely talented, but uh, it's hard when you're not able to, you know, show up and play. Now the Dodgers just took uh, two big hits, two over the last week. Uh, Walker Bueller went on the disabled list, uh, I guess injured list now they call it, uh, with uh, arm tightness, and he might be out for a good chunk of time. And then Mookie Betts, uh, their leadoff hitter, is now headed to the IL with a cracked rib or something, so he's going to be out for a little while too. Uh, I I'm not really uh I'm not really crying for the Dodgers because of the uh the wealth of talent that they possess. I think that they'll still be fine and be very competitive. Uh but the Dodgers have also taken some some injuries as well. Like you mentioned the Braves have went on a 14 game win streak. They lost the last two in Chicago. We'll see if they can bounce back today. They did what they were supposed to do against the weaker end of their schedule, and now you got the Giants for four and the Dodgers for three coming in next week, so we'll see what happens. I think they're ready for the NL West, especially with two of their powerhouses with the Giants and the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how it stacks up, but I, I think they're they're playing a lot better baseball than they were. You know, at the beginning of this month, they've kind of closed the gap on the Mets a little bit. Uh, but let's keep in mind that this Mets team, or uh, you're going to go through the standings and, and point it out, but this Mets team is sitting in first place, and they haven't had Scherzer for a while, and they haven't had DeGrom yet all season uh, because this Mets team was better put together, as we've said time and time again they they've got some depth and they got a little bit more offensive firepower they're not just waiting on that pitching and expecting the pitching to uh, completely carry them okay so i will go over the standings from the nl to the al however this goes down um i'm trying my best because <laughs> i want to do the best for last and i gotta look at the national league the way that it looks, it, it, it's so evenly matched with the, the team's uh, leaders. Their records are basically identical. Uh, watch, watch this. So the Mets are 44-23. Um, the Braves are 37-29. The Phillies are 36-31. The Phillies actually turned things around, too. The Phillies got better. Uh, the Marlins are 28-35. The Nationals round off the bottom of that division at 23-46. Uh, in the AL, I mean the NL Central, excuse me, the Cardinals are 38 and 29. The Brewers are 37 and 30, right behind them. The Pirates are 25 and 39. The Cubs are 25 and 40, and the Reds are 23 and 42. The NL West is the Dodgers are sitting at the top with 40 and 24. The Padres have played, well, they've had more games, but they have 41 wins with 26 losses. Uh, I think if there's three more games that need to be played, 
for the yeah. Dodgers for this to be equivalent to something like that. Um, the Giants are 37-27. The Diamondbacks are 31-36. and 36, And the Rockies round out the bottom of the division, 29-37. If you look at how the, the leaders of these divisions match, just as identical in the American League. So in the American League, you have the Twins that are 38-29. The Guardians are 33-28. The White Sox are 31-32. The Tigers are 25 and 40, and the Royals are 23 and 41. The Astros are 40 and 25. The Rangers are 31 and 34. The Angels are 32 and 36. The Mariners are 29 and 38. The A's are 22 and 45. The A's may wow. be the worst team in the league right now. They are. And with that, we said, we said with it. That, with that being said, the M- the AL West is the worst division in baseball at that. Other than the Astros, the Astros are the only team that are above 500. Everybody in that division mm-hmm. is under 500. Um, and yep. looking at the AL East, like I said, the Yankees are 40 above. They are a game away from 50 wins. They're 49 and 16. The That's Blue Jays crazy. are 37 and 28. The Rays are 36 and 29. The Red Sox are 35 and 31, and the Orioles are 29 and 38 to round out the AL East. Um, this is incredible how crazy the, the Yankees have been going. Um, the the Blue Jays are having a good season, and they're 12 games back. Like this, this is looking like the Yankees are taking that league by or that division by storm. Excuse me. Um, knowing that the Twins have a good amount of games played. It's interesting how big of a lead they have in the win column, but yet uh, the Guardians, who are right behind them by two games, we end up playing them in series. Well, I think it's ten games that play between the two teams uh, within the next couple of weeks, and it starts on the 21st, so it's coming up soon that Minnesota and Cleveland are about to like start going at it within the division. Um, your thoughts on what I've said so far about some of these teams? Forty nine and sixteen. That's unbelievable. I remember telling on the, on the baseball buffet show that we have on Tuesday nights, uh, telling Dave to kind to calm down that the, the Yankees were going to be good this year. I didn't expect this, and they can't keep this pace up, right? Like they're they have a winning percentage of over seven fifty right now. Like this team's on pace to win one hundred and twenty games, which would absolutely shatter the regular season wins record. I don't think they're going to quite get there. But listen, I I said early on, they're off to a really fast start, which means they've given themselves a little bit of a cushion if they do kind of hit hard times at some point this year. Um, And they're going to. I mean, every team kind of goes through some bowls. But, man, uh, the start that the Yankees are off to is just absolutely unbelievable. I said a couple weeks that the Dodgers are right on their heels. Uh, not as much anymore. The Yankees are running away from the rest of the league to hide. Uh, and then looking around the the rest of the the league, like I feel like once the Phillies fired Girardi, they went on a, like a nine game win streak. And you you said it; they've gotten better. The East has actually held up pretty well against some of the other divisions this year. Um, Milwaukee. Still right behind St. Louis, only a half game back, which is pretty impressive considering, like, in my notes for last week's show, I had that they were on an eight-game losing streak. So, uh, you know, they're able to kind of 
uh, try to piece it together. And Milwaukee's missing a couple of their best arms and Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff. But Woodruff was supposed to make a rehab start this weekend, so maybe he'll be back soon. But Freddie Peralta is going to be out for an extended period of time. So we'll see how they can get that piece together. And props to Lorenzo Kane, man. Like, they designated him for assignment this week. He was uh, originally came up with them and went to uh, Kansas City, was part of that championship team, and went back to Milwaukee. But he just uh, having a little, you know, father time caught up with him, and he's having trouble uh, making contact. But Lorenzo Kane, 10 years of service time, nice career. Shout out to him. Yeah, hopefully he can get back up. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a situation where he stays down there long. I think this is just one of them refreshers. There's been players that have gone through the situation and haven't bounced back, but uh, he's done well everywhere he's gone. But um, just like you said, it is father time, so I don't know if this may be his time in the sun to like start worrying about the decline in his career. But um, I, you know. Personally, if, if he was to bump into the Twins or something like that, I don't want to see him back because he's been damaging us when he does play us. But, like, you know, ultimately as an analyst and want to see him play, I don't want to see it end this soon for him. So uh, the best of luck for you, the best way I could say it in that retrospect. Um, but, again, across the board, this is interesting. Uh, as we get ready to get closer to the month of July, uh, and reach the halfway point as we get ready to get in front of the All-Star game and things of that nature. Um, who do you think is, like, your your threats for the league right now, like, player-wise, other than, like, but I don't even want to, I don't even want to say names. Give, give me some names that people need to watch out for if they don't already know about some of the bigger names as it is. Um, so one of the guys that, that uh, I wrote down that I wanted to make sure to, to highlight, and I, I've talked about him a a couple of different times, but a guy from your Minnesota Twins, uh, he might be banged up a little bit today. It looks like he's been switched to day-to-day. But Luis, Luis Arias has been leading the uh, the entire major leagues in hitting uh, for a while now. And if you if you haven't got a chance to see this guy, like he's a professional hitter. He's not a big power guy or whatever else, uh, but he is a professional hitter. He can hit it all over the field. And uh, it's just a pleasure to watch him play. He plays with a little bit of flair, too. So uh, that's a guy that the year that Aaron Judge has had has been ridiculous um, as far as what, in, especially in a contract year, listen, he's going to get paid uh, somewhere. I like what Trey Turner has done so far with the Dodgers as well. Uh, he's going to get paid as well in the off season, And then, um, you know, uh, another guy that, kind of slides below the radar. You know, TP, I got to at least give uh give one shout out to uh to one of the the guys on my team, but the local boy uh Dansby Swanson has really uh kind of come into his own and what he's been able to do so far this year. He's uh, approaching 300 um and he's having a very good year in a walk here as well at shortstop for the Braves. Definitely an interesting one for a lot of these players. Uh, Aaron Judge is on a tear as well. Um, I'm not going to lie. I The way that these two have been playing between Judge and Buxton, uh, Judge has been tattooing the ball, but I just want to see if Byron could keep up with them. The best part about it was Byron got hurt earlier in the season, and everybody's like, here it goes again. Like, it's always something with Byron. Like, is he going to be out for a long time? And he came back as best as possible and still had that, that swagger and going up there and hitting. He had a couple of games with two home run games. So it's like 
I didn't think that this guy had this much pop. Like he he can he can take you out of the park, but like now he's hitting with so much extreme confidence, and his play in the field is making it better. I'm gonna say this right now: he's playing the field better than Mike Trout, and a lot of people won't want to hear that. A lot of people are Mike Trout fans, and I'm not gonna lie: I am a diehard Mike Trout fan. I love the way the guy plays ball, but the way that Buxton has been playing, especially at the plate, he is damaging a lot of these pitchers. But Trout is waking up. Trout has been stepping back up and getting back in behind that plate and making things happen. But the one thing that hurts the Angels is that they're not as successful as they should be, especially with that bad killer losing streak that they went on. They lost their uh, manager and Joe Madden as well. So there's been a lot that's happened with that Anaheim organization for it to, like, take away some of the luster that's in front of Mike Trout. So it's like if you got Buxton in front of Trout at this point in time, Judge is the only one I think that fights with him, at least for the AL MVP right now. Judge has the lead because of the way that he's been smacking the ball and the way the Yankees have been playing ball also. So, But it just it's just thrilling to see that they, they were saying that he was a preseason uh, MVP candidate and he's been standing up to that. And um, I just, I just want to see him just continue to carry this on because I, I, didn't, I didn't think that this would be a situation that I could carry with a team that I love to play this strong of baseball. So... I do have to give you kudos for throwing Buxton out. I think that was a name that you would throw out there. Yeah, Buxton and Arias, those are my two guys in Minnesota that are so much so much fun to watch. And even and even Jorge Polanco is a, a lot of fun to watch, but uh, Arias and Buxton are the are the two guys that are must see for Minnesota. And listen, they um couple young guys. Trevor Larnack has been pretty good since he got back, and now they just got Alex Kirillov back as well. So, uh, listen, the Twins are loaded. Well, we have to get those guys back because of all of the injuries that they're dealing with, and the pitching staff is hurt too. All of the pitchers that were pitching good for us to get us out to this interesting start, they all got – three of them got hurt at the same time. Sonny Gray's pack and Joe Ryan caught COVID, and Paddock uh, ended up having Tommy Johnson. Tommy John surgery, so it's it, like the the rotation actually got messed up. We had to bring up pitches from uh, AAA and stuff like that. So uh, it's unfortunate that the injury bug was swimming around the, the Twins as well, but they still survived and they actually gave themselves enough cushion to remain atop the AL Central. So oh, we'll see how how strong they are when they do play Cleveland, because I know Cleveland is going to want to try to catch up and make this interesting as possible for the Twins. But the Twins have to win a lot of these games that they know that they have to win and uh, catch the the Guardians if they're vulnerable or not. I, I feel like they're stronger now. The Twins are stronger now. Uh, once the pitchers come back and get a couple games underneath their feet, I, I feel like we'll be even better at that point in time too. But right now it's going to be interesting, especially within that race. I don't know if the White Sox are going to start getting some of these players back because the injury bug has bitten them also. But uh, a lot of people had them – clearly winning the AL Central wasn't giving any other team a shot to win the AL Central. And it's like they have to fight through everything, through teams playing better than them and the injury bug also. So um, La Russa and the White Sox have their, their work cut out for them to make this interesting in the AL Central. But at least I don't want to sit up there and count them out because I know where they are uh, and what the potential they can do uh, offensively uh, in the south side of Chicago. Yeah, and you mentioned the the Twins. You get Joe Ryan back off the COVID list, and Bailey Obert goes down. Um, so 
They've had to fight through it. Guys like Devin Smeltzer and other guys that have been able to come up and just kind of hold the four down for them um, have been key for the for the Twins. But yeah, I mean, they're, like they're doing their thing. Uh, Cleveland really uh, struggled early. I'm kind of surprised to see them uh, back in second place, and a lot of that is because of uh, of the White Sox continuing to sort of. Uh, struggle to sort of find their footing um and the, and their manager is not helping uh in that process but but big ups to the to the twins and and like i said cleveland has has gotten themselves back into second place they can pitch and uh, we'll find out if they can hit a little bit i don't think they have the horses um over you know the 19 games or whatever they're going to play over the course of this regular season uh, to really match up with the Twins, I expect the Twins to at least get 12 or 13 of those, but we'll see. We will see. Okay, um, we are nearing the end of the show. Anything else that you'd like to address before we get close to the end? No, man, the only thing I would say is, uh, you know, we got the the NFL, the NFL, NBA draft coming up on Thursday. Uh, we've already seen one trade in the NBA this week uh, with – Dallas giving up four players and a pick to Houston to try to get Christian to get Christian Wood to to get you know uh, an interior guy that that Dallas so desperately needs. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, uh, we talk about uh, you know the Lakers hired Darvin Ham. They put Rasheed Wallace on that staff. Uh, Kenny Atkinson was uh, had agreed in principle to be the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, and then um, as of yesterday, it came out that he decided that he wasn't going to go that route. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that coaching situation. Um, but you know, basketball is is over. We got the draft Thursday. People say nothing until football season, but you're still going to see some shakeups and some guys move around and and. Some free agents trying to catch on in football, so we'll see what happens. And then we'll have the big, uh, you know, as this month ends and as we we start going into July, we'll kind of have the free agent frenzy uh, for the NBA, so we'll see where some guys land. I expect there to be uh, a pretty decent amount of shuffling, uh, you know, around across the board to see, you know, some guys changing addresses and and going to some new locations, and we'll see how those teams end up looking. But it, it you know, there's there's a lot of uh, headlines that'll be popping up and that'll give us things to talk about moving forward. Okay, just for reference, before we do get out of here, the Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy was fined a hundred thousand dollars for calling off a mini camp uh, meeting. Uh, it was bad because uh, this isn't the only time that they've done it, but this is something that the they are watching out for as uh, this is something that they need to be serious about uh that whole team got caught at top golf playing golf so it's kind of like are they taking it serious um i i I know the cowboys are taking it serious especially trying to lose all of the pressure that they have year after year to try to get back to a postseason relevance to trying to get to an nfc championship and force a super bowl appearance things of that nature so um i know they want to try to stay out the limelight as much as possible but again they are quote, unquote, one of America's teams. I don't even like calling them America's team, but uh, they always have their work cut out for them, and Mike McCarthy is always at the uh, the forefront of these situations. Um, hopefully he can just stay out of it uh, as best he can, but it's hard when Jerry Jones is the owner, GM, and everything else. And if one thing, act, you know, happens, 
they're going to hold you guys liable. And um, a lot of people don't really want to see McCarthy as a head coach. So his work is cut out for him, to say the least. Okay, so we are at the end of the show. Uh, I need a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you like to promote as we shut things down here, Mike, as we get up out of the kitchen. So we hit the commercial earlier, but check out PHI Apparel, phiapparel.co. Uh, code chefs at checkout get you fifteen percent discount there. Um, any Philly clothes, man? We talked about the Phillies uh, moving up a little bit. Eagles. A lot of people are excited with what's going on there. So get your Philly apparel. Um, also, man, much love to TP. Without you, man, I wouldn't be here, bro. So I appreciate you uh, inviting me into the family, letting me uh, co-host with you each and every Sunday, man. It's a it's a Pleasure and a privilege and a highlight of my week, man. So uh, forever grateful, bro. Uh, shout out to the rest of the chefs as well. Check out our other shows, the Baseball Buffet on Tuesday nights, uh, the College Cookout on Wednesday, and, of course, the Mothership, the one that we got going on on Sunday mornings, the time of Sunday morning brunch. Also check out the Barbershop on Clubhouse, man, 11,000 strong and growing. Um, not Flintstones, vitamins, but growing still the same. And uh, continuing to uh, to cover all kinds of things in sports, hip-hop, and uh, even some uncomfortable conversations. So uh, come by the barbershop, come sit for a while, or like I said before, even if you're just going from point A to point B in your car, put us on, more entertaining sports talk radio, and we'll still have any breaking news that just popped up. So uh be a lot more entertaining, so come check it out with the barbershop family. Uh, and with that being said, man, uh, Listen, shout out to uh shout out to Blog Talk Radio and shout out to everybody listening. Without listeners we wouldn't have a show. And as we say in Louisiana, man, lazy, lay bon ton roule, let the good times roll. We'll be seeing you next week. Sports City, you already know how to go down. Check out the website, sportscitychefs.com. dot com. Uh check out all the chefs, all your favorite guys. Check us out throughout the week. The dog days of summer are here. But the best part about it is hockey's still running. You got baseball that's at a premium right now, and football is right around the corner. Uh, a lot of the training camps and, and you know, many camps, like we we said, are, are here too. I can't wait to see my boys play. That's one thing that I got my fingers crossed about. And as soon as Hard Knocks starts, I'm going to be watching, even though I don't like trying to watch Hard Knocks, but it's my team, so I got to watch them now. I have to. So I'm forced to do it. But on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know... Not in the sports city, sports city, chef, chef, sports city, sports city, chef, chef, sports city, sports city, chef, chef, sports city, sports city, chef. Kaboom, sports city chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, 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 Chef,